Predamonger settles a U.S. lawsuit brought by former employee. In the U.S. last week, the company responded to a class action lawsuit by offering to settle for $677,000. The lawsuit was brought by an employee of the company who claimed the popular chain required employees to use fingerprints to sign into their shift for timekeeping. The suit was brought in an Illinois court where the plaintiffs alleged that the company broke the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. BIPA, because they fingerprinted their employees without, quote, complying to the statute's informed consent regime, or adhering to a publicly available policy governing the retention and destruction of this highly sensitive data. I found this a strange situation because in most cases biometric systems for timekeeping don't actually store the fingerprint. Instead the way they work is that an algorithm calculates a unique number, based on the person's original fingerprint, and then stores the number but never the fingerprint. However, as it is described, it appears that the company in this case had in fact been capturing biometric data and then not having appropriate retention and destruction procedures in place. The employee, who brought the case based on her employment between 2018 and 2019, says the company did not make employees sufficiently aware of how they would manage their data, nor get the appropriate consents. Companies' data protection officers sometimes struggle to apply U.S. privacy law, which is fragmented, having different implementations at a state level, and with no overarching federal law. So I could understand if Pratt had made a nuanced mistake, but failure to communicate something as fundamental as fingerprint scanning would be a breach of pretty much every privacy law, under what is called the transparency principle. Furthermore, as described in the method above, there is simply no need to store the actual fingerprints to meet the requirements of their stated purpose. In other words, they should have known better, and it sounds like the company did not give enough consideration to the subject, and the offer to settle is probably an acknowledgement of this. That is disappointing news for a company that has held itself up as a standard of how to treat employees. Design Forward Generosity-driven drinkware brand, MIIR, has teamed up with World Coffee Research to create a range of products to raise money to protect and enhance the supply of quality coffee. The future of quality coffee is not a foregone conclusion, and few know that better than World Coffee Research. A nonprofit organization, they have set themselves the audacious but laudable goal of supporting the development of varieties of coffee that are not only high-yielding and climate-resilient, but also delicious. Partnering with Seattle-based drinkware brand MIIR, World Coffee Research have collaborated with two artists to create a series of sustainable drinkware to raise both awareness and funds for their work. For every item sold, World Coffee Research will receive 8 US dollars, 6 euros, or 5 pounds. The first artist is Lucy T. Smith, perhaps best known for her work with the Royal Botanic Gardens, in Kew, London, as well as her commissions for David Attenborough. Smith's fine intricate botanical drawings perfectly capture the beauty and fragility of the Arabica coffee plant, which is the basis for 60% of global coffee production. The second is Portland-based Michael Bacino. Injecting color and vibrancy into the collection, his pieces aim to capture the joyful labor of coffee research, in the lab, in the field, and in the cup. The initiative has been spearheaded by MIIR's, UK distributors, Workshop Coffee, 
and following a pre-release in autumn of 2021, the Global Initiative has already raised almost $20,000 for world coffee research. Richard Fraser, CMO of Workshop Coffee, says. We're ecstatic and really proud of what this initiative has already generated for world coffee research. We're enormous proponents of the continued work that they do, and the entire specialty coffee industry is a benefactor of their commitment to lab and field research. With general release slated for January 17, 2022, we're excited to see the impact this collaborative project will have, and are pleased to be supporting a cause that means a lot to us. Hannah Nushwander, WCR Director of Communications and Strategy, adds, the MIIR and WCR collaboration is extraordinary because it lets us hold in our hands a truly beautiful object that reflects the joy, passion, and optimism for the future that underpins the work of coffee researchers. Along with delicious coffee, these mugs hold something else precious, hope, for the future of coffee. The MIIR and World Coffee Research products are available to consumers from a host of retailers across the world from Monday, January 17, 2022. This includes Black Oak Coffee Roasters and Bridge Coffee Company both in California, Camber Coffee and Fulcrum Coffee Roasters in Washington, Coffee Circle, Berlin, Intelligentsia, USA, and from Workshop Coffee and Union Hand Roasted in the UK. Oat milk is becoming one of the top choices for dairy alternatives, and many coffee chains have traditionally applied a surcharge for this alternative milk option. Nonetheless, oat prices have reached an all-time high, which may discourage the trend of offering more milk choices to coffee lovers. In recent years, there has been an overwhelming demand for oat and other plant-based kinds of milk. This is partly due to the perception that they're better for the environment and partly due to a new proliferation of these products on the market. Nielsen data shows that since two years ago, the number of food and beverage packages claiming to be dairy-free has increased by 27.5%. European market research firm Euromonitor reports that dairy alternatives grew 23% between 2016 and 2021. More and more coffee chains are now eliminating the extra charge for dairy alternatives. Last week, Starbucks announced that it will not charge extra for alternative milk choices at any of its UK stores. The coffee chain joins Pret-a-Manger, a sandwich and coffee shop, that has been offering plant-based milk without a surcharge at international locations since 2019. Oakland-based specialty coffee roaster Blue Bottle also started offering oat milk as the default option in some Californian locations since last year. However, oat prices reached an all-time high in 2021. Due to extended droughts, oat future prices were nearly double compared to this time last year as of January 6, reaching $6.85. Even though most of the global oat crop is to feed livestock, it's also affecting the cost of oat milk. The largest oat milk company, Oatly made a statement in November that it will raise prices of products to offset the rising costs. Starbucks also stated that it expects commodity price increases to affect its business this year. We're just at the beginning of seeing the surcharge for non-dairy milk removed, but now the rise in oat prices might discourage further uptake or even reverse this policy. 
On January 12th, the 11th academic year started for the first-level master degree in economics and science of coffee by Ernesto Illy. This is the first year the course is given in a hybrid mode, where there are both online and on-campus lessons. Held from January to December, this international university master's degree offers students who graduated in economics, engineering, and agricultural science to study thoroughly the culture of coffee, the culture of producing countries, and the social values of coffee consumption. Among the 206 graduates from previous years, 88% of them are currently contributing to the coffee industry and have received an elevation in their career. The course is held in Trieste, Italy, historically important location in the world of coffee, and believed by some to be the capital of coffee culture. Teachers from prestigious institutions, including the University of Trieste, University of Udina, and Drexel University, contribute to the course. There are 23 students enrolled in this academic year, coming from 16 countries, Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, Ethiopia, Greece, Guatemala, Honduras, India, Indonesia, Italy, Kenya, Mozambique, Nicaragua, United States, Ukraine, and Uganda. The Ernesto Willi Foundation assisted with 11 economic and four partial support to some students who come from coffee-producing countries. Additionally, the Friuli Foundation provided a scholarship to a student from the Udina area. For the first time, the nine modules in the course are given in a hybrid mode. Over the 12 months, there will be both online and on-campus classes with laboratory activities. This provides the opportunity for working students to attend the master degree at the Ili CAF headquarters in Trieste. Pretamonja raises pay, re-equips shops, but still faces headwinds in key city area. As labor shortages drive up wages across the hospitality and retail sectors, Pretamonja has raised pay for a second time in four months. Across its 8,500 locations, more than 6,900 of its 8,500 staff earn at least £10 an hour, after the chain invested more than £9.2 million in raising hourly wages. In September, the company had already raised pay by 5%, to £9.40. In addition, based on a weekly mystery shopper assessment, workers will be able to earn an additional £1.25 an hour. Meanwhile, the company is continuing to invest in the latest technology from Italian coffee equipment manufacturer, La Cimbali. La Cimbali's S60, fully automatic coffee machine, can deliver up to 600 cups of espresso per day, with bespoke features such as an enhanced steam wand, for faster steaming, and multiple user controls that allow the company's baristas to turn around orders quickly, with a high degree of consistency. However, in a blow to the company, sales in the important city region of London, and one of Pret's most traditional strongholds, fell to around one-third of pre-pandemic levels, according to a report from Bloomberg. The so-called Pret Index, is seen as a bellwether for the retail market in one of the capital's most important business areas. Pret-a-Manger put together a strategy to migrate from their traditional model they called Follow the Skyscraper, to be more decentralized, and put their products in front of consumers through deals with third-party stores in rural areas. Last year we congratulated Pret, on responding quickly to the pandemic, which impacted them disproportionately, because of the weighting of their store locations towards city centers and commercial office space, all of which were empty during lockdown. Now however, it seems that the company needs to accelerate that strategy or risk hemorrhaging cash while they support the transition. 
The National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, approved a second Starbucks union vote in Buffalo, New York. The workers at the store on Genesee Street, Chictawaga, voted 15 to 9 in favor of the union. Some of the contested ballots were dismissed by the NLRB when the union representing the workers, Workers United, argued that those employees were only temps at the Chictawaga location. Starbucks was given 10 days to appeal this latest NLRB decision, and if the appeal is denied, it has to bargain with the union directly. Last month, a store in downtown Buffalo became the first to unionize in Starbucks' 50-year history. This has raised interest in unionization in other Starbucks locations, including Massachusetts, Arizona, and Seattle, which all have petitioned the Labor Board for union elections. The NLRB approved an election for workers at Mesa, Arizona last week, and ballots are due on January 28. Labor experts believe that this is a step forward to strengthen the bargaining power of workers in the U.S.